Citizens of Natstown is brought to you by the Ballpark Bus, with departure stations at Clyde's and Ashburn, Glory Days in Reston and Herndon, the Green Turtle in Ballston, Sterling, and Dulles, and Velocity 5 in Centerville. When you don't want to drive to the ballpark, leave the driving to us. Take the Ballpark Bus. Visit www.ballparkbus.com for more information or on Twitter at at ballparkbus. Hello, Natsound. We are uh, we're actually back live. Kind of feels good back. Um, Up and running. Yeah. T. right here. I've got Matthew Davila. Davila. I swear I'm saying. <laughs> I'm just screwing. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And uh, David Huzzard. Thank you. Buzz. Uh, all right. <laughs> now, everyone out there in Natstown can agree that we like the Nats top three stars. Yes, we do. Yes. But, Some maybe more than others. But, you know, Jordan Zimmerman, it's hard to say he struggled over his last few starts, but he hasn't been as good as he can be. Well, it's interesting to watch because one day he'll have the nine-strikeout game, then he'll have the two-strikeout game. Yeah, but he, he I think the issue is he doesn't have a true out pitch that's out of the strike zone that he can get swinging and misses on that really – Pool hitters. Well, that's interesting because, you know, I, I thought I, w- I had started to think that he's throwing too many strikes. Like, he's programmed to just throw a pitch into the strike zone, you know. He never really wants to just throw a pitch just out of the strike zone enough to get a guy to swing at. But, well, it's it's that if you watch Strasburg, you watch Geo, they have those curveballs and the changeup that starts in the strike zone and just breaks, drops just completely down. Can't hit it. And hitters just swing right through it. Yeah. Zimmerman doesn't have that pitch. All he throws is strikes. He has that bulldog mentality of, I'm coming right at you. And he needs he needs that sort of that wipe-out, strike-out pitch. And he, he tried to add the change-up, and he sort, he's not comfortable with it yet. So he hasn't really thrown it as much. But even that's not really the pitch that would get guys – Swinging and missing. He's got a cur- uh, a slider he throws. So it's pretty. I don't know. It's it doesn't really out of yeah. the zone enough. What he I know the pitch he's to add because of the type of pitcher he is and who he's comparable to. Okay. John Smoltz. Okay. John Smoltz was a guy that had that. I'm going to come right at you. I'm going to throw strikes and, and you know hard throw at righty with a slider and you know good fastball. And when John Smoltz added the splitter, the splitter. That's when he became John Smoltz. So if Jordan Zimmer has the splitter there, he'll have that pitch. It looks like his fastball. It just dies right out of the strike zone. Now that would be neat. Yeah, that's, that's not a bad decision right there. <clears throat> and, and if you think about the way the Nationals' rotation is right now, you have. The cerebral guy in Strasburg, who sort of is like the Greg Maddox of the rotation. Mm-hmm. You have the lefty, 
Gia, which would, would be Glavin, and then you have the Bulldog, which is Smoltz. Mm-hmm. And then you have, I guess that makes Edwin Jackson Avery. <laughs> yeah, there's a look of confusion somewhere in this room. Uh, what is that Detweiler? That makes him, uh, it makes him, um, I can't, oh, the name has just lost me right now. Boy. Uh, you have to look up the old Braves rotations. Um, I was still there in 2005. It's never really that great. Um, trying to think. Did they have four too early? Yeah. Uh, Glavin, Maddox, what is it? Meckler. Meckler. No, they, they, we have to... Uh, it was sort of they had a smattering of guys in that four or five spot, yeah. but Maddox, Glavin, and Smoltz were the, the the consistent. And sort of if you want to put a name to what that Wilder would be, he'd be like Bruce Chen or Odalis Perez. Yeah, sort of the guy that you know he's the he's or Jason Marquis, the rookie guy that they're gonna let walk because they're one gonna eat the top three. Yeah. And are they going to trade? Uh, you know, they ended up trading uh, one of their good rookies to the, to the Phillies for um, a catcher. Uh, Johnny Strada. No. So, Interesting stuff. Yeah. I know way too much of the Braves history here. I don't well, know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but we'll go with it. Matt, you had an interesting theory on Zimmerman. Uh-huh. Um, I brought it up before, yeah. Um, maybe not when we were on the show, but I I think I think he throws too many strikes. I really do. He, uh, I mean, he comes right at you, strike one, strike two, then he can't put a guy away. If you watch Jordan Zimmerman pitch, he gets guys at 0-2 pretty quick. Or he gets guys too now, but that's neither here nor And he gives up a lot of O2. He gives up a lot of O2 hits. Now I don't know what league average is on this because I don't know how to look up league average on out of zone swinging percent. But let's let's compare what we have to Jordan Zimmerman's plus here. Well, it, well the reason I you know I, I've watched I've been watching him and I, I know a lot of people have, but I you know he's my favorite pitcher. I watch him pretty close when he pitches, and uh, he gets O2 a lot. And he'll give up a hit or he'll end up walking a guy. Not often, but he'll do it. Well, this isn't actually league average. We'll compare him to Strasburg on this. <laughs> kind of unfair, but okay. Well, I mean, it's his rotation rate. It's who he's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we'll go here to play discipline on him. But no, I think he throws too many strikes. I think he's. I think he's programmed in such a way. And it was interesting when somebody else said it, and then I was like, well, yes, I agree. But. uh he uh, he throws too many strikes, and then when it gets to 0-2, he doesn't want to throw or you know start working the count to where it goes outside just little by little. You know, a lot of good pitchers will throw their fastball middle in, uh, middle you know just slowly go inside or slowly go outside with it, and then end up getting a strikeout. Jordan Zimmerman just hits the same spot or well, I mean you kind of get to a dilemma there. You either I mean, he can throw the strike. He can go right after him, like Zimmerman does, or he can do what Gio does and go for the waste pitch, which right. he uses. I mean, he throws too many of those. Right. He's out in the sixth inning. Right. Well, and, and the interesting thing about that too mm-hmm. is when Jordan Zimmerman has those games where he goes 
seven innings on 80 pitches and has two strikeouts. And, I mean, that's that just goes to tell you how, how good he can control his pitches, you know. But it also goes to show you that he's he's almost just, like they said, he's just missing that pitch that, you know, throw it that one time and, boom, you're done with it. I, I think the reason that's not happening, and this is not a bad thing, just just forewarning the conversation. Uh, I think that's that goes a, a lot of in line with uh, the pitching coach, Steve McCaddy. You know, he's like, if you're in place for a strikeout, go for it. But if you're not, just get the out. I don't care if it's on one or if it's on two pitches. And that that's good. I mean, if, if he goes nine innings, gets two strikeouts, and he gets a complete game, who cares? Yeah. But, I mean, you know, it, it's just everyone. And you saw it a couple times on Tuesday night when he was pitching. He didn't get a lot of strikeouts. He went six innings on like 107 pitches, I want to say. Somewhere around Somewhere around there. He didn't have many strikeouts. He had one walk, one or two walks, one intentional. And there was, there, there was a couple times where he got a guy 0-2 and he didn't put him away. And he ended up being hit to one of them and he walked one of the other ones. So just goes to show you, he is he is still trying to figure out that that little extra edge. You just I think yeah. You know, if you watch, there's no such thing as a waste pitch. Like if you watch Geo pitch when he gets a guy 0-2, Geo or Strasburg will do this too, and then he'll throw a fastball high and inside, back him off the plate, make let them feel that fastball, mm-hmm. know how what what you know 95 feels like, mm-hmm. 97 feels like. Then, then just sort of once they're off the plate, just take the curveball and just place it right on the outside corner, and they're they're gone. Well, speaking of Gonzalez, actually, uh, he was the, the starter for the Wednesday after we last recorded. Uh-huh. <clears throat> um, I went to that game. <laughs> yeah, that Pittsburgh. Hard. Uh, obviously, the back spasms weren't that big of an issue. No. Uh, they kept him out of the game in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, Hot came in. That was it. That was that, that was good. Henry. That was good. That was okay, yeah. Henry. He walked the leadoff guy in there. I think he reached on air. Did he reach on an air? I don't. Yeah. No, you're right because Desmond booted it, if I recall correctly. Yes. So he reached on air, then he got the next three guys. Out, I believe. Yeah, and, and, and Bedard, it was interesting to me because Bedard's left-handed, but he gave up a lot of hit. He gave up a home to Roche. Mm-hmm. Did Harper hit a home run in that game? No, he didn't. No, no, he did not. But he gave up hits to Harper. He gave up hits to LaRoche. He gave uh-huh. up, uh, I think, I, I think Hill even had a hit. I mean, it was I, just a I very, find that hard to believe. I'm kidding. <laughs> I remember at one point in time he'd given up, he gave up four hits. Three of them were home runs, and two of them were lefty mm. home runs. And he ended up giving up three total home runs, I think, from were hit by lefties. Uh, I'm not sure on that. Uh, we have the box score now, so go ahead and let's pull the box score on there and see who hit the home runs. Uh, off of Bedard. Uh, home runs, well, Desmond hit one. LaRoche hit... Oh, that's right, Nady. Nady. Yeah, Nady hit that bomb. Oh, what was the score on that game? Eight to seven to four. Seven to four. Okay, yeah. I still don't think it was Nate in his jersey. I stand that was a bomb, dude. I was sitting. I, I was standing. I was in three fifteen, and I was just like, what? "That was a force." 
He puffed his hair up onto the back. That had to be. You know, I and, imagine. Just, and just went for it. That was the triple play. That's what I'm thinking. That, it was extra base hits because Harper hit the triple. Ah. And uh, LaRoche hit the home run. So at one point, you're giving up three hits. One of them, you know, you have four hits. They were extra base hits. Three were extra base, two of them by left. Can I, uh, can I just throw something out there? Bedard is a weirdo. Can I throw something else out there? <laughs> Baltimore won that trade. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they did. Uh, but we'll get to that. Uh, yeah. But, no, in this game, Bedard had a a second strike called against him, and he walked out of the batter's box. Yeah, was waiting and then, the yeah, and then he came back in, stood there, and struck out. <laughs> and then... And this is just something funny that I saw. And then as um, there was a, a pitching sequence where uh, the umpire was throwing a new ball back to Bedard, and as Bedard was getting ready to take the ball, his teammate, I forgot who their shortstop is. It might have been Harrison, actually, the third baseman. He was third baseman that night. He threw the ball at Bedard bonked him on the head. <laughs> I don't know if anybody saw that. I saw it. I was at the game. I started cracking up. And that was a good game. It was a fun game. The Nationals had a chance for a sweep in a two-game series, and they didn't get Let's Let's call it a fed-besting. I don't like calling two-game yeah, series. Yeah, yeah, Well, they had a chance to win both games. We did have a chance to win both games. We we just cannot. You know, in an odd sort of way, it's like the team is Jordan Zimmerman. <laughs> they'll get a guy. Put anyone away. They, they'll, they'll get they'll get somebody O two, and they just can't they just can't get the strike out. Yeah, but uh, but you know what? Andrew McCutcheon. Andrew McCutcheon. He killed us all year this year. He. I mean, it, even the outs he made on the night I was there for Wednesday, they were deep left field. Yeah. <laughs> it's just. I mean, okay. I've always known that McCutcheon is a good baseball player. But I think that's the first time I've actually really seen him play well in person. And he's having a good year this year, too. He is. So I, I think that's the first time I saw him locked in like he was, and he just murdered us. Aren't you a little annoyed that the Pirates signed him to that big deal? Just, what did you like to have I feel him? like a little annoyed is the wrong way to put it. I, I, I was really annoyed because this, this is, when, when, when he was getting ready, when they were talking about that contract, before they signed that contract, they put him on waiver wires and my my stupid brain was like, oh, oh, maybe that was the worst thing I ever did to myself. Oh, they, 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 when they put players, they don't. Oh, know. I know what they were doing, but yeah. I, you know, I let myself believe that maybe there was an inkling possibility. No, no, they, they weren't going to trade him. But he he just went off in that that game. The Nationals couldn't get the sweep. He had two home runs. He that was Jordan Zimmerman. Yeah, he gave up yeah, three home runs killed, of the night. He killed Jordan. Two to McCutcheon, one to Rahan. His name was perfect through five. James McDonald. Yeah. James McDonald, yeah. Hey, it's funny. I see people on, on Twitter. They're like, I've never heard of this guy. How's he How's he doing so well against the National That's not to take because, anything away from him. Because either. you've never heard of a guy doesn't mean he's not any good. Right. And that's not, that's to not take a good metric for measuring how good a player is. That's yeah. not to take anything away from him because he was pitching very well that night. But... It, I feel like that when you catch our offense on an on a bad night, we're gonna have scares like this where it's just like, dang, you, you know, we're just gonna get killed tonight. We're we're not gonna get a single hit. You're talking about on a bad night. Let's jump ahead here to something we pulled up. 
the Nationals haven't had very many bad nights in uh in the month of May. If you know, a lot of people go and look, well the Nationals offense isn't any good. Well maybe. Uh let's go back over here to uh baseball reference and see the totals here and then we'll get to what they're doing in May. Uh I believe we have a three seventeen on base percentage, a two forty seven average. Okay, two forty seven average, uh three seventeen on base percentage, a three ninety one slugging percentage. Let's ignore all that stuff. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's just go to the important stat. The runs per game. All right then. <laughs> the Nationals are one, two, three, fourth worst in the National League with three point seven runs a game on the season. Okay. Which, for the record, is up yeah. from where we were. Yeah, it is. No, yeah. League average, by the way, is 4.07. Now, we skip over here to our offense in May, and the Nationals have. Is that the team? The Nationals here are tied for fourth with the Texas Rangers with a 334 um, weighted on base average. Now, to clarify that, that is how they're hitting. That's not how they're scoring runs. Scoring runs is different. Yes. They've scored 89 runs in the month of May, which has them down much further than the Rangers. So they're getting the guys on base, and they're hitting with better power than they are overall. They're just unlucky. Well, I mean, can we talk about last night's game a little bit as an example? Last night's game is a good example of unlucky or just maybe strange situationally. I want to talk about let's let's. I think Bo Porter. You can say it's questionable. It was aggressive to send Danny Espinosa. Yeah, but I don't disagree with that. I think what 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 was worse on that than Bo Porter's mistake was what Espinosa did, and Mm -hmm. no one mentioned it. I am amazed that FP pick up on it because Espinosa was ball-watching when he should have been running to home plate. Yeah. As soon as he ran a third, he turned over and looked over his shoulder to to you know, to see where the ball was and what was going on with our, our fans. He could have just put his head down, ran to the plate, and done the backdoor slot. No, I, I agree. I mean, I, I liked I liked Bo Porter sending him. I'm going to say that much. I, I, I agree with it. You know, we don't have any runs. Why not send him? I would have sent him for me. I mean, if you're a player, you have to just sort of forget where the ball is. It's not your job to watch the play. The coach is watching it for you. When he tells you to run, run as hard as you possibly can, whether you think you're going to be safe or out. Just just go. Don't, don't turn around and look anywhere or do anything crazy or, or stupid like that. I mean, ball watching, is, and I noticed another player ball watching too. I think it was it was actually Flores on yeah, the triple. He, yeah. he made it, but he was ball watching. Don't yeah. ball watch. Well, he did that a couple times yesterday. The, the 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 most frustrating point in yesterday's game for me was when Flores didn't score uh, on the flyout to Galvis. Galvis, yeah, he, he's the one who ended up catching it, but he could have scored on that. He could have, but that was an amazing catch. It was an amazing. Let's catch. just give Galvis. It looked you, like it was single. He was halfway down the line, and it's just bad. Yeah, that's all. That's all it chalks up to. Bad luck. Yeah, I, I, I still think. I mean, yeah, I should have. Uh, it was kind of. It was. 
it was a blur the, the the way the ball was falling in. It was it was it looked like it was about to be a blooper. Yeah, well, I mean the Nationals lost four to one, so that's yeah. And, uh, I, those I, two runs there aren't going to make it. I'm not saying they are. I'm just saying you know if if there was one thing I didn't like about yesterday's game, it was that uh, the rest of the game was pretty good. I thought. I mean, we lost. I don't like the result, but the game was good. Well, you know, it's it, it, if the Nationals don't face Cole Hamels in the next series against the Phillies. Then they might be able to sleep him. Apparently, we can beat Roy Halladay. <laughs> Apparently, yeah, there was there was a lot of pessimism about that when it was uh, it was him coming up. But actually, back to the the run scoring that you were talking about, Dave. Right. That was for the month of May. Four point oh four. So league average is four point oh seven for the year, right around league average, which is better than. You think the offense is? No, yeah, that, that is nice to see because I noticed, and I think I mentioned it before. It certainly seemed like the the offense has been coming alive more so. You know, in that uh, game we lost to the Orioles six to five. We, you know, we were down early in the game, and we fought back to get five runs. And Ryan Roman hit a bomb in the bottom of the ninth. I mean, don't you just wish there'd been two guys on base? Yeah. <laughs> really felt just like F you to Orioles fans. Yeah. Because at that point, the O's fans were up. The fans who were wearing both Nat and O's gear were then up chanting for the O's. Yeah, that's annoying. I'm sorry, that's annoying. It's a complete shame that the laser that Harper hit in the the at-bat prior, third baseman was right there. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, you you think that's a tie game and going into extras, and then that one was a hard. That one, that one was. I mean, I, I like the way the guys fought back. I mean, that's that's indicative of playing good baseball. I that think. first but, game against the Orioles Friday night, that was mm, that was. Edwin game. Jackson pitched a great he, game. He pitched he a, in the first. Then he then he locked it down. He did. And, you know, just and that, what was yeah. tough about that. What was tough about that is the reason that they scored that one run that they had for most of the game was it was a leadoff walk. Yep. Yep. And I just oh, and I mean you know then when Des scored the 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 tying run on that home run I was like oh come on you know yeah. that was awesome. And, and I mean just to you know. But I just want to mention Arietta's pitching line looked good for that game. Okay. Exactly. It, it looked good. He gave up one earned run. On six and one walk with nine strikeouts, but he was pitching his fastball up in the zone most of the night. There were a couple of guys that hit absolute laser beams to center field that Adam Jones was able to run down. Yeah. And the, of those nine strikeouts, a lot of them were looking on fastballs that were right down the middle. Yeah. And the Nationals just couldn't pull the trigger. I think part of that is Arietta has such an array of pitches that guys maybe were sitting on off speed, which you're not supposed to do. You're supposed to look look fastball and then adjust to the off speed. Because you have time to adjust to off speed. You don't have time to adjust to a fastball. So the strikeouts looking right down the middle there, if they're looking off speed, they don't have time to fire. Yeah, yeah we, we had serious chances. That no, we did. Because there was a bunch of times where we had guys on base. We and, I mean, we just couldn't cash in, you know? And then Ryan Matthews makes one bad pitch. You know, just, he made two bad. He made well, one bad one to Hardy too. Well, yeah. <laughs> good thing Ankeo could run that one. There. Yeah, but I mean, you know, he made he made one bad pitch that left the ballpark. You know, yeah. and the, the the reason that's a bummer is because you know our pitchers can't make a single mistake. 
hope to be bailed out by the the offense at times it seems. Yeah. You know? But I mean, you know, that's that's the game of baseball. These things are going to happen, and it's it's tough to watch sometimes. But you look at the line for the entire staff that game: eleven innings, seven hits, two runs, three walks, twelve Ks. <laughs> I mean, that's that's I, you think you win a game with that line? No, that's yeah. That's a... yeah if you play, if if they play like that, every game, okay, they win more than they lose. You, yeah, you win two out of three. Yeah, and I, it, and, you know, I, I really think it's just a lot of it. We need we need a few guys who don't necessarily strike out so much. <laughs> you I know? think let's let's get to that here. Uh, back to the offense. In- one of the reasons for that is Danny Espinosa over the last 28 mm, days yeah. has hit 230, 302, 402. Now, that doesn't sound that great, but that's basically Danny Espinosa. If we go to 317, go back to Danny Espinosa here. Uh, for the season, I mean, it doesn't really change his season stats. It's 221, 305, 344. But if you, you think... I looking at yesterday's numbers. If, <laughs> if in your mind you have the, you know, the around 300 on base percentage, 400 slugging percentage, they said over 28 days. Career line is 230, 314, 405. So he's, he's basically in line with his career numbers for the last 28 days, which is Pretty much what regression to the mean means. Mm-hmm. Over a certain period of time, most likely to hit his career average. Um, so that's sort of Danny Espinosa's back to being Danny Espinosa. I I think he's dealing with right now. I mean, granted, he didn't have a good start to the season whatsoever, and it seems that he's a seeing the ball. He may be still striking out more than we'd like. But that's who he is. Um, yeah, but he's not a 30% guy. He's more no. like, he's more of a 25. And that 5% doesn't sound like a lot, but over the course of the season, that's, that's I, quite a few strikeouts. But he as a whole, the fan base sees him as this guy that had an amazing, or what they see as an amazing first half last year. Right. He didn't. He yeah. had a good six-week period. Yeah. At the end of May, he was hitting somewhere along the lines of 220. Right, because I remember at the beginning of the season he was hitting like 300 for a while. Well, here's the like, like you look at his numbers now and how they still look like he's been struggling yeah. when over the last 28 days he really hasn't been. He's been himself. Right. And just if instead of a cold start he had had a hot start, he would still look like he was having a good season, even mm. though he's been himself over the last 28 days. It's just the way things look because of how they're playing. You know, those numbers, those bad numbers aren't going to go away. Just like if they were good numbers, they don't go away. Mm-hmm. And when they turn back into themselves, th- whatever numbers they had are still there. Yeah. And they still are part of the average. Yeah. And, I mean, again, all it, it doesn't take that much time, especially when you're talking about, what, eight weeks we're closing in on right now. You're looking at eight weeks, which is about last year where he was at, he had a hot six weeks where he hit 275 to 80, and it, I mean, that colored his season of, well, he had a great, you know, he had a great start to the season. Yeah. That's all it takes. Yeah. And there's, there's no one saying. 
saying they can't do it again, but I think you're exactly right, Dave. I think uh, a 230, 240 is about where he's going to be, and a, 7, a 715 OPS. Right. I, I think I think what you look at him, you, he's, he's around a low 300 on-base guy with power. Right. The Nationals have another guy, just like yeah, Ian Desmond. Okay, before we transfer over to Ian Desmond, though, uh, one thing I, I – did you guys read the article that Masson put up about Danny Espinosa's strikeouts? No. They asked him about it, and he got defensive about it. So I think, if anything, the one thing that he's probably suffering with more than anything is a mental thing. You know, like maybe he's pressing. Maybe. So I think maybe he's getting out of that a little bit by getting some hits. And, it could be. But and, you know, it would be nice to see if that's what's going on. What I think here with Desmond and Espinosa – is Desmond hits in the top high 200s, Espinosa hits in the 200s, and in sort of, they are different approaches. Desmond or Espinosa more patience. He takes the walks get to the 300 on base mm-hmm. percentage, whereas Desmond hits his way to a 300 on base percentage. But they're both getting on base at the same rate, yeah. so it equals us to the same thing. And Desmond has power, Espinosa has power. They're like twenty. They're both twenty homer bats, mm. and they're both six or seven hitters. And you don't really need both of them. Lombardozzi is a is a slap hitter, contact hitter guy. It's going to take a pitcher a different approach to get Lombardozzi out than it would to take take to get Desmond or Espinosa out, where they can use the same approach against those guys. So it sort of makes the pitcher have to change, and they have to change back for another guy. Then. So it, it, it makes the lineup. It balances. The balance, lineup. yeah, balances the lineup to have Lombardozzi in there over Espinoza long term, and Espinoza has value. Espinoza has an upside that a lot of people think is higher than Desmond because of the willingness to take walks. There is a lot of value on a guy that takes walks, yeah. even though if a guy hits his way on base or if a guy walks his way on base, they both still end up on base. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, that's kind of where baseball thinking is. So Espinosa is the better guy to trade, and either he could be traded to the Twins, you have Danny Valencia at second base right now, or, or to, you know, or to the, the Rays, who have Reed Brignac at Sorsov, or to, you know, or to the Rockies. That is, or to the, the, the Diamondbacks. I we didn't talk about uh, it, yeah. Well, well, when we were talking, I was only looking at second base. Yeah. But that's a, a solid point. Is that yeah, he's, he's a short natural shortstop. Yeah. He can play both. Yeah. Um, I was also kind of feeding my pipe dreams of getting Denard Span. So that, that, yeah, I think. Well, well, I think okay. you know the Twins have Danny Valencia. Espinosa is a long-term solution because he has locked up for a number of years. Um, the Twins need starting pitching right now. So Lannon or Wong or someone else could be included in that trade. Uh, I threw out the other day, um, after Matt and I were talking about it, was Wong or Lannon, somebody of that ilk, um, Espinosa. Do we throw in a prospect to seal the deal with uh, (laughs) – to seal the deal for Spence? Depends on the prospect. If it's a guy... I mean, we're not going to throw a window in it. Right. But if, it's, I mean. if it's like Destin 
Yuri Perez or sort of someone that replaces their outfield in the future. I think you would. What if they wanted somebody, say, Robbie Ray? That makes it a little tougher because the Nationals have already sort of depleted their pitching ranks. Ugh. And, uh, you know, you don't know if you really want to trade any more pitching away because they're gonna, they might need that in the future. But, with you know, the move I really want to see the Nationals make, either at this trade deadline with a contract extension, with a contingent on an extension, or – or in the off season, just sign the guy. Is Zach Greinke? I would rather wait until the off season. Yeah, I just think, because I think you know, I think you're back goes. Goes. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to end up being like the CC Sabathia deal. Do you give a guy that's not to pan out. <laughs> okay. At the point, <laughs> they're giving up their uh, their top guy. Is Matt LaForge still in baseball? Yes. Mm-hmm. Is he still playing the Indians? I think he's playing for the. Uh, the, the Indianapolis Indians. Huh, okay. Uh-huh. So technically, yes. To answer your question. <laughs> but, yeah, but I don't. Uh, I don't know. Um, painful. You know. <laughs> um, I was supposed to be a sure thing when right. I made that trade. Yeah. Prospects. Like man. absolute, no doubt. This is the guy. Prospects. Well, look at Brandon Belt. I mean, you know, you never know who the sure things are. Who look the sure at Andy Martin. Yes. The list goes on and on and on and on. Can we really cross off belt this early, though? I know you have a strong feeling. About I don't know when Dave hates somebody. <laughs> but that, that what, like fit. 180 at-bats? Dave is a very emotional baseball I'm not, fan, whether I, or not he chooses to admit it. He either I, really hates somebody or he really likes somebody. Let's, let's just put it this way. <laughs> there was a time. I think he likes Strasburg. There was a time when every Nationals fan on the Internet uh, wanted David DeJesus to be the center fielder of the future. For one, David DeJesus was playing field for the Royals at that time, who had no hit Mitch Meyer in center field. So there's that. So David DeJesus couldn't play center field for the Royals, and people wanted to bring him here to play center field. And two, he can't hit. So now David DeJesus is awful, and it just goes to prove that I'm right about everything. Of course it does. Of course it does. Okay, for the record, we're putting up a a whiteboard, and we're just going to start marking Dave's points. So, I mean, I don't see why not. It, it, on one side, it will have Dave. On the other side, it will have the world. Dave will have all the points. Wait, okay. Can we before bet? Season, can we start making bets? All right, I feel like if I bet I made, on Dave, I'll get rich. I made two predictions. That so Gio Gonzalez will be a Cy Young contender. Looking right on that one, and I said Ian Desmond would have his breakout season. Mm-hmm. Looking good there too. Uh-huh. We, well, I need I, a whiteboard to put these up. Yeah, yeah we do. I kind of like that idea. I actually mm-hmm. might have a whiteboard. I Notes to self. Put it on the wall over there. I, I think don't... I know where I can get some. Nice. I also happen to say that that Zimmerman would be MVP candidate, and that's hasn't shaped up yet. But there's but still a lot still of seasons. Sort of right. <laughs> season. But we'll go ahead and say you're taking the L right now. Just just to bring balance to the force. Yeah. Now, a candidate, does that mean he gets a vote? Uh that's true. That is true. That is true. What if he what if he places last in the in the voting? I think I think we also said something about LaRoche. You're gonna go pay off no, no, baseball writers. We we did we did you know, I think all of us were, were keen 
on Laura and Desmond before the, the season started. The entire show has been high on both of them. Yeah. Uh, that is one thing I now, was now, fairly proud while of. While we're talking about this, are we high on Henry Rodriguez? I don't think we're let, – let's, let's say we're mellow on him. Well, we're not, we're not on that. high, but we're not looking to run him out of town. I agree with that. He's not our closer right now. I don't – I mean, and the thing is, I, I agree that he's not a closer right now. He's got the stuff to be a closer. Let's let's just throw that out there. But he he, I think he needs to learn a few things where that shapes up. What really gets me about people that are wanting to be either designated or traded or you know there are very many other options aside from those two, um, <clears throat> is that we've done that before. We've traded a wild 100-mile-an-hour throwing pitcher, and he's now an all-star in Pittsburgh. That's yeah, true. and Nigel Morgan, where is he? Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. Well, we got Tom Burnett. Yeah. We have a situational lefty. And, you know, like, yes. we, I like to pick on Sean Burnett, but I always like Sean Burnett. Oh, he's, he's, he's up and down at times, but when he's good, he comes in and a pinch. And, I mean, been, who who's bailed out Henry Rodriguez twice so far? But let's, let's just, uh, just, saying, just saying. Let's not forget Martin Pryor would be happy to face Sean Burnett with the bases loaded. And no, 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 no. Let's not talk about that. Okay, but <laughs> I was very angry that day. <laughs> let's uh, let's just um, get back to Henry here. You, you look at him; he has the stuff and his body language. I don't like when people talk about body language of players, but you can tell something from human body language. People express emotion that way. Really? When? And he just, when you look at him on the mound, when Forrest goes out to talk to him, when McCaddy goes, he just looks like a guy that has lost every bit of confidence he, he ever had in himself. He does. You know, what I thought was a couple of interesting things that involved Ian Desmond. And this is another reason I really like Ian Desmond. He's a, he's a leader. So after that game you know, on Wednesday, or no, it might have even been the game that he that Henry Rodriguez got the save. Either way, he had a rocky outing. After the game, the uh, press was talking to Ian Desmond, and he said, "You know, I think it's all just it's all just mental." You know, Henry Rodriguez struggles. He goes, "Just like my errors." You know, and it, it's an interesting way of putting it. And I remember watching it with Sam said, and I was like, "Yeah, you know, that's true." Okay. And then yesterday, when Henry Rodriguez came into the game, he didn't look good on his first couple pitches. No, he did not. Then Flores came out to talk to him, and Desmond came over to talk to him. And Ian Desmond had the longest conversation with him. And then Henry Rodriguez shaped up a little bit. He gave up a home run, which wasn't pretty. But it was a bear. It wouldn't have been but, a home run in any other park in America. Yeah, it was a little league board. <laughs> But, I mean, you know, the, the point of the matter is, is that Henry Rodriguez was throwing strikes and he was yeah. he was doing what he what he needed to do. I remember a funny moment from Ian Desmond's rookie year. But just real quick to finish that thought, I think Ian Desmond is, is a leader who can you know, help maybe instill some confidence. He sort of always had that reputation. Yeah, as no, a, I like it. Is he the captain? No. No, he's not. Sorry, I had to do a captain. No. <laughs> but, uh, but I remember a moment. Captain. And, oh, awesome. Commander, and, awesome. Commander awesome. In 2000, We're not going to finish his thought. <laughs> in 2010, LeVon Hernandez was struggling in the start. 
And whenever the catcher went out there, Desmond would come over. So one time, about the fourth time the catcher came out, Desmond starts walking towards Levon. And Levon turns around and just waves him back to shortstop. <laughs> you have nothing to tell me. Go sit over there. <laughs> I like that about Desmond, though. You know, it's you know, you need a guy who does it, guy who shows some confidence on the field in you. You know, and Zimmerman's always a leader, but he's more of a quiet leader. You know, he's a lead by example. He's a lead by example. And there's nothing wrong with that. You, know, you need a guy like that too. But the fact that Desmond's like, look, dude, it's cool. You know, you're gonna be fine. You, know, you, need, you need a guy like that, and that's 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 not something we've seen in years past on the national. I think the leader of the team. Let's not Frank Core Desmond here. Let's let him be who he is, so people don't start, you know, viewing him as as you know the crazy people that think he's a superstar. That he's not. He's just a decent. You know, I, I really I really have to say he's having a good year so yes. far, but I think he's hot right now, and I don't know that he's gonna necessarily cool down permanently, but I don't think 30 home runs is necessarily a reality. I, I don't think that. I, I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. I'd be happy to be wrong about this. I think the numbers but, indicate he's sort of right where he should be. Uh, but let, let's say the leader of this team for the future is the guy that's in the right field right now. Mm-hmm. That's the guy that's, that's the leader of the team. That's the guy whose personality is going to take over the team. Yeah, that injury was a big blow. I not really... the guy that's playing right field, not right now. No. Wait, what? Oh, oh, yeah. You're talking about Harper. Yes, Harper. Okay, not, okay. not work. How did, we, how did you get lost there? I thought we were There's talking... one path. <laughs> right, right field, right field. Right, right field, right now. I'm sorry. I'm thinking, <laughs> thinking right field. For the norm. I really think that's going to be sooner than later that that happens. It's not going to be he grows into it kind of thing. I think we're going to be surprised that come next year that he's going to be the guy once he has, you know, his, what, three quarters of a year under his belt. That that's the guy people are looking to. Zimmerman's the lead by example. Strasburg is the, you know, I will bury you when you're on the mound and just kind of quiet. <laughs> yeah. Gonna be Gio. If, I agree with that. Gio's the one. He's, he's the personality. He's the guy out in front. Strasburg is sort of the enforcer machine that's gonna just destroy every batter that he faces. He's the Terminator. Yes. And and Jordan Zimmerman gonna be like the just sort of the guy that. Well, around. you know, the, Gio was actually talking about Jordan Zimmerman. I mean, he, you bring up John Smoltz when you bring up Zimmerman. Yeah, their personality almost the same. Yeah. <laughs> just kind of. <laughs> Kind of there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was always Glavin, Maddox, and Small. Yes. And, and you know, you put the Glavin's name first, but Maddox was the better pitcher. I mean, it's just that Glavin was the talkative guy, and Maddox was the professor, sort of in the background. And Strasburg is very cerebral, very scientific. He throws very hard, but I'm sure if Strasburg threw 89, he could get guys out too. He just he he's a guy that knows how to pitch. It's fun to watch. It is. <laughs> it is fun to watch. But um, you know, it's just neat to watch it come from what it was a couple of years ago, which was just crap. <laughs> Apparently, on Twitter the other day, I got one of those guys to respond. 
Who? Made me feel bad. Um, what are the Masson people? Uh, the main Masson. Dan Colco? No, no, not him. But uh, one of the, the editors or one of them said something about the Nationals pitching staff, and I said, you know, it's much better than watching guys like Bassick and Redding pitch. And he said, he said something about how he met, ba- how he saw Bassick and Bassick was a good guy. I'm like, okay. wasn't mentioning he wasn't a bad guy, just not a good pitcher. Can we make that distinction? Right I know. Now? <laughs> yeah, when we're talking about yeah. somebody as a bad baseball player, that does not make them a bad human being. <laughs> we're not saying that at the same time. <laughs> yeah. But then, then Mike Bassick responded to my comment. Uh-oh. And, he, and he said, he said, I agree. Now is he? The, uh, see, that's interesting. Is he the kind of one kind of crazy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's okay. crazy. Yeah. I thought so. I think he would agree that watching Strasburg is better than watching him. Yeah. He seems to always have that personality where he would be willing to put down himself. My my least favorite part about Basque is when he was very proud to have given up Bonds his career home run. Oh. You should, man. And I have a picture from San Francisco here. Yeah, he was so he was like, oh, I'm so happy that you know, blah blah blah. All right, all right, dude. Well, that that annoyed me. I'm sorry. If you, all right, I'd be mad. I'd be throwing stuff at people, and I mean, not you know, more in the dark. I'd be ripping a cooler apart. I'd be cursing the sky and all kinds of crazy stuff. I would. I'm not be happy about it. I'm just saying. Well. <clears throat> yeah, well, let's see. Where are they? Moving on from this, we've uh, we had a game. Uh, we took two out of three from Philly. Oh. Uh-huh. Uh, had the game last night against Hamels. You can't really uh, see it. Like it's right here. They have a plaque outside of San Francisco for Barry Bonds, seven fifty six, and right in the bottom there it says Mike Bassett. Yes, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Somehow, inexplicably, last night we had uh, both Ann Keel and uh, Xavier Nady in yeah. the lineup versus Hamels. Um, how is Nady still with this club? Um, Injuries. Yeah. People are just getting away. It's the same reason Matt Stairs was with us for so long. But with somebody like Corey Brown knocking on the door. Granted, I've made my piece about Brown that I think his strikeouts are down and they're going to come back up at some point. Great, great, but, but it, you know, it, it, it brings up the point that, okay, so Rick Keel strikes out a lot. He has like a 285 on base percentage. Right now in Syracuse, last time I was, which was like a day or two ago, Brown had 394 on base percentage, you know, five, 510 slugging percentage. I think it's sort of. And the Nationals' record that's sort of keeping them from calling up the prospect. If they had a losing record, they'd dump Ankeel and call up Corey Brown in a second. Because, but they're keeping Ankeel around because you know what you're getting from him. Well, Matt and I were talking about this. It was actually short before you walked in the door. On that same point, yeah. though, we know Ankeel's ceiling. Right, and he's hit it. He's right at it right now. So He can go a little bit better. Why not let the kids? If if a guy in Syracuse right now comes up and strikes out thirty percent of the time, but he can still throw a runner out with a sweet throwing arm, and which my understanding, which my understanding is what Corey Brown is. I mean, what the what, what are you losing? You're getting what? a younger guy who plays equally well. Wouldn't he may not play? Well, a, a younger guy who plays decent. You know who had really well. good AAA numbers? Ryan Langerhans. 
right. If Corey Brown, here's here's the thought process of why not to call Corey Brown. I think they should, but I'm just going to play devil's advocate here. Okay. Um, he comes up. You you DFA Bernadina to bring up Corey Brown. I will DFA Nate. Well, Nate goes for Morris. Oh, okay. Yeah, he goes for Michael Morse. You make the moves consecutive. Okay. At okay. the same time, oh, okay. Okay. those okay. moves sort of happen. And you put Brown in center field. He struggles mightily. He looks way overmatched at the major league level. And now you've lost. Bernardino's over on the Astros or something. Okay. And now, you, you know, you put Ankeel back in. He's pouting. He doesn't want to play anymore. He's, you know, angry. And he plays even worse. So now you've sort of made the position well, here's, here's here's a better question if I may you're not using you're not using Tyler Moore at all no and and he's sitting yeah and there's nobody who's right now is our everyday left fielder right. you don't necessarily have to take in Keel out of the equation just send Moore back down so he can keep playing every day at AAA Moore and, fully back. and then but okay but, but that's the thing is you don't have to do it at the same time, I mean, if we called up Corey Brown tonight, mm-hmm. he would have a solid, what, 10, 15 days probably? No. Six. Well, even so. I mean, going to probably be back. Why, not, why not at least just, you know, what have been the there? Time a guy said he, or was back when he said he was going to be back. I mean, the organization says June 8th. He says June 1st. And I think he's going he's gonna to get back when he wants to be. Well, because they need him. On the, I, I still think I, I still think calling up Corey Brown, even if for a little while, would be a move. It makes sense. It makes a lot of sense, but there are downsides to it that could lead to the worst things happening. He could come up, and he could be this year's Ryan Church. Which I mean, if you remember what Ryan Church yes, did in yes. center field in 2005, I love it was very, very good. And Corey Brown could do that. I mean, he has a lot of success. 26-year-old left-hander. has spent a lot of time in the minors. Never really gotten a chance. And it may be time for him to get that chance. Well, Roger Bernardino was on the, uh, the Syracuse bus for a long time. He'd gotten a lot of chances. I mean, I'm not saying DFA Bernardino, but, you know, you've given Bernardino a lot of chances, too. I think I'd get rid of Bernardino and Ann Keel. <laughs> I'm not saying I disagree with you. And I mean, I just, I'm of the the thinking, you know, one, if you're looking for an avenue to call him up, Corey Brown, Moore's sitting on a bench, and that's not necessarily a horrible thing, but, I mean, he's not really helping and he's not really hurting us right now. I think the the reason he's up is not so much, I think they believe his back can play. Okay. And that that sitting doesn't hurt him that much with the bat. Mike Rizzo already said that he feels that. Yeah, that that his bat will, you know, is still going to be what it is. If they do put him in there or if they send him back down, why he's up is because of Bo Porter. Because he's trying to learn left field. Bo Porter is the best outfield coach in the organization, and Bo Porter is the coach at the major league level. I have that's to say that's—that's that's probably the best argument yeah. I've heard right there. Uh, well, there's one argument for him to be sent back down for whoever either A comes back or B is the next, you know, call up, and it's that 
you know, were were hurting his progression. Yeah. The dude's 25 going on 26. Yeah. Past prospect status of we're worried about hurting this guy. Now, I agree with that. Now, I mean, here's the now I think sending him down for Corey Brown doesn't make sense. Because Corey Brown's left-handed, Moore's right-handed. Oh, no, I'm just talking about. Yeah, but I think it's better to DFA Nady, keep Moore as the Nady, and then go and, and have Brown replace Bernadine. I think, I think that ultimately I really think, think was, I think what was keeping Nady on the team more than anything is probably Davy Johnson. Davy Johnson has said many times that he was a reliable Reliable bats off the bench. Now, he's got one in Tracy, which is nice to see. You know, yeah, I don't think Nady's that guy. But, but I mean, that's... I think what's I mean, keeping that's Nady... That's what Davey Johnson thinks. He said, he's saying that. When managers say words, you have to interpret... what He's never going to say, this player that has to be around because guys are hurt, I'd love to get rid of him. Right, right, but right, we right. can't get rid of him right now because... Morris and DeRosa are both on the DL. Okay. That's 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 what Davy Johnson is probably actually thinking, but he he has to build up confidence of Navy because he still wants him to actually, when he has a chance to play, to play his best. Right. Even if his best isn't very good, he wants the best out of him. I mean, the thing about Navy is his career numbers aren't horrible. They're actually no, they're pretty not. good. So you know, it's just injury. He's had so many injuries. He even had Tommy John surgery, which he's is been, interesting. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's been so banged up and beat up over his career that maybe you can't look at his age. You have to add like 10 years to whatever his age is now and yeah. figure that, you know. But, I mean, you got to think of uh, like something that David Johnson and maybe even Mike Rizzo are thinking is this guy can hit. You know, that's why we have him on the team in the first place. And that's why we're keeping him around. I I I think that's one one line of one line of thinking that's going on. It is. I mean, you know, we, what we talked about Espinoza. Right. I mean, it doesn't mean. just apply to Espinoza. It was applies to. I mean, Nady could very well do that as well. And I mean, but, it's not like it's not like he's done absolutely nothing for us. You know, that home run he hit against Pittsburgh that was a bomb. You know. Uh, he, he's not. He hasn't been stellar for us by any means at all, ever. But I mean, he could very well snap out of it, just being eighty one day. Who knows? He could, but um, well, so he couldn't. I, mean, I don't think you lose much if you get rid of him. Right. No, I. Uh, I don't think his ceiling isn't something that you can not. That's irreplaceable. So if we're looking at the the hierarchy here, uh, Nady is. Uh, whether it's a call up or somebody coming back from the DL, Nady's one to go. Yeah. Uh, looking at this organization's um, MO so far this year, is it more that goes down or is it Bernardina that's designated? For who? For the say Morris and DeRosa come back in a week. I think then I think if or, both of them come back at the same time, I think Moore goes down and Nady gets DFA'd because they're both right-handed. So you replace right-handed with right-handed. I think if if Brown gets called up, it's the end of Bernadine. And I think you know fans that are saying we want Brown, we want Brown, we want Brown need to realize that if you want Brown, that means Bernadina, the shark, the guy you all chant for and wear those stupid hats for, <laughs> he's gone. He's not uh, on the team anymore. Which he's means, on the Astros. Which means that if they're calling 
coming right up to the right. Astros. That's what a DFA means. Designated for Astros. Which uh, <laughs> means that they're calling up Brown. Uh, it almost reminds me of like how they spoke about Colin Ballister when he was coming up. Was If we're calling him up, he's staying up. Yeah. I, I don't think, no, that's not Brown. Brown is 26. He is. Well, no, no. If they're going to designate yes, Bernadina, yeah. their mindset is that if yeah. he's coming up, that he's going to gonna have to stay. He's going to have to stay up. And, and you look at the situation in the outfield, and will he stay up? Because someone has to play center field. Mm-hmm. And eventually this year, that's either going to be someone they trade for or worth or Harper. When you have the Harper-Worth-Morris outfield, are they going to trade for someone like him and either trade Morris or LaRoche to backfill the prospects? That's interesting. Either way, I just that's wanna, how it has to happen. There's I no just, other way. The I just, just want to put this little note on top of this conversation. I'm going to Syracuse this weekend, so Corey Brown can wait at least another week to get called up. I hope he gets called up at 10 a.m. I, I, I hope you, you shut up, sir. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I think a lot of people like Corey Brown because he's the next. I mean, I want to wait to see what happens. I feel good about Corey Brown. That's that's my line of thinking. I know he's doing well in Syracuse right now. Prior to that, he did not. He didn't really do that great. You know, he's had a lot of injuries. He's injury prone. Let's face it. Okay, but he's got a, he's got a ceiling. You know, we don't know where it is yet. That's I'm interested to see what we have in him at the major league level. That's my line of thinking with Corey Brown. I am. Uh, I'm always curious, though, especially with him, where he might have been this year. Yeah, if he didn't have the injuries. Well, I no, 100% agree. Not even that. The only one I wonder is the staff infection. The staff infection, which is just pure bad luck. That is. <laughs> I mean, I didn't even know about it until after the season was over. I don't think anybody knew about it. I think he found out about it when the season was over. No, nah, because. Hey, it was the have, middle of September yeah. when he just kind of stopped showing in games. And well, yeah, he, was, he was a September call-up, and yeah, yeah, right, because he had three at best the major league level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then they found out about it, and he was... Now, know, here's... That was bad luck. We're looking at the Nationals. Let's just fast forward quite a bit here. How far are we on? August 31st. Okay. <laughs> and the Nationals still setting my time machine. Hang on. They, they still have, they still have a Scott. winning record. <laughs> They're in contention. They're thinking playoffs. They've got to set the roster. Who do you call up before September to put on the bench? A prospect or someone? Call up before September before, or before September? Before September, because. After September, they're not going to be on the able eligible to the playoff roster. Uh, that's right. Xavier Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the only one that stands out, uh, barring somebody that has a breakout six to eight week period between you know June and the middle of August or so. You may make room for Brown if you still have. Somebody that's in the Navy role of you're the first to go. Um, Might be Mark DeRosa if he doesn't shape up when he gets back off the DL. Maybe. If he ever comes back from the DL. And he 
Chase Utley in the desert. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's very difficult to the, look at that because the we're only so one that. You might, but can he pitch out of a bullpen? I I don't know. I mean that's that's that would be his role if he got called up. Yeah, I mean a long guy basically. I mean I would think like a Craig Stammen of we need you to go four innings or we need you to go two because the starter came out in the fifth. And and maybe that's you look at the playoffs last year. The starters were coming out in the fourth all the time. Yeah, yeah. And maybe you need a guy like that. Uh, and if you, you're in Texas, sort of used uh uh Feldman in that role. Yeah, Scott Feldman doesn't go that hard. Yeah. And so he could be a Scott Feldman if the Nationals wanted him. Or um, Wade Davis on the Rays. Um, Another guy like that. Speaking of Rosenbaum, they threw his numbers. I don't know if I was watching a game or was at a game. One of their you know, minor league highlights. Yeah, I think. 0. 0.960 yards. Not even that. Batters uh, on base per nine innings is like six and a half. Yeah. <laughs> That's absurd. Yeah. When we said he was a, the new Tommy Malone, you know, and when I was in Oakland, I saw Tommy Malone pitch. He did that on purpose. I'm, I'm, I am certain of it, whether you admit it or not. Wait, you went there to see the Tommy guy. And he was being opposed by Jerome Williams, by the way. Yeah. Great. Former Great. <laughs> saw one former national who nobody hated, and you saw another former national who everybody hated. But Tommy, by the way, I'm no surprise. I am not surprised that Oakland won that game. Now that I know that was pitching. Right? Yes. Well, Tommy Malone, you know, he pitched seven innings. He gave up one run. Sadly, but, he hit a home run in this game. He wasn't hitting at all. I know. That's. But <laughs> and, and I actually think he could hit better, Cliff Pennington. So there is that. Yeah. But, well. um, he just pounded the strike zone. He let the batters put it in play. Some of them hit it hard. Guys like Coco Chris and Josh Reddick, that can run it down. And that's sort of how Oakland plays. They just let the guys put it in. And actually, this was kind of funny because Brian Fuentes is their closer. Mm-hmm. He's not a strikeout pitcher. He used to be on the Ains. He did. Uh, I remember that. They. Um, I, I was actually. I, I actually was really surprised to find out that he was. Uh, he was the A's closer. Yes, but there was a time when he was just throwing a few balls, and instead of the A's fans yelling something like "throw a strike" or something like that, they said, "Just let the batter put it in play and the defense will work." That's what the fans yelled out. I was like, "Hmm, interesting." It seems like a mouthful to yell. It is, but just put it in play. <laughs> I'm sure that's all at once. Oh, no, no. You see, you divide it up amongst two or three guys. <laughs> see, so there's the three of us. I'd, I'd probably yell something like, just put the ball in play. Then David would probably say something like, all right, we'll get that. Matt, we, we're, we're practicing. Matt, what are you doing? We're practicing. No, we're not. We're practicing. Um, <laughs> we're practicing. How much is he aided by the ballpark up? Uh, Tommy Malone? Yeah. It looked like. Some. A bit. Yeah. Mike Trout in the first team absolutely crushed the ball, and it was just run down. And it was. It would be interesting to look at the home and away numbers. I know Malone's pitching pretty well for right now. I'm glad to, I'm glad to see. Yeah, but I think the away. It'd be, it'd be interesting to look at the home and away numbers. Yeah. But remember, people said about Geo too. 
that he was going to pitch horrible once he came to Nationals Park. Yeah, although well, he's doing a lot of that. I'm running uh, like I'm double talking right now. Uh, I actually yelled at people that said that because uh, if you look at uh, runs as far as runs given up in the two stadiums, yeah, they've, they've the played pretty well, yeah, similar I mean, since Nationals Park. I mean, it's the same type of park. Is a very fair park. It is. The thing I liked about Clint, I actually preferred the Oakland Coliseum to AT&T Park. Coliseum. But people might call me crazy for that because the Oakland Coliseum doesn't have any of the aesthetics. It's a multi-purpose yeah. sort of bowl. And, uh... Uh-oh. Okay, we have yeah. Tommy Malone home and away stats. Huh? No, uh-huh. hiding these. Uh-oh. Home, 30 innings pitched, guesses on the ERA. Home? Mm-hmm. 1.23. 1.6. 1.6. Away, 27.2 innings. Guesses on the ERA. 6.0? Five and a half. Seven one six. No way. Wow. <laughs> wow. That is wow. some crazy sweat. I mean, wow. Oakland isn't that extreme of a pitcher's farm. That's, um, that's crazy. Batting average, or we'll go with uh, OPS against. Uh, at home is 424. OPS against away is 850. Sign a long-term deal there, Malone. <laughs> Stay there. Pray they don't move to San Jose. Don't let Billy Bean treat But basically, the, the Oakland Coliseum is on par with other ballparks built in that time period. Angel Stadium, Coffin Stadium, Dodger Stadium. Except it has... You know, it hasn't been renovated like Kauffman and Angel Stadium, and it has the, the you know, seats that go all the way around in the upper deck. And that's basically the only difference between Kauffman and Angel Stadium. And it's just, it's not a bad place to watch a ball game. Point six and seven? That's crazy. It's insane splits. <laughs> yeah. but, I mean, I'm mean, i sorry, I'm still caught on that. Oakland Coliseum, the, the, the thing that really helps pictures is it has such huge foul glass. Foul ground. Yeah. So that that's what really helps. It's not the outfield so much because it's not that absurd of an outfield. It's about the same as those other parks I mentioned. I mean, it's not that different. But maybe being enclosed, the wind can't go through it quite as well, something like that. But yeah. I don't think it's that extreme of a park where it would lead to those splits. Um, it may balance out as the season goes along. But Tommy maybe, Malone, he just, maybe he just got blown out big time in one game. He, he is a low, he is a low velocity. Yeah. He is not he's a contact. He's, he's not a stuff guy, quote unquote stuff guy. He is a finesse guy. He let him put him in play. He's a, put him in play. Let the defense do the work. Guys. Yeah. Apparently, the kind that Oakland like now. Let's see at Boston. And. Four and two thirds. He gave up seven runs. Well, at Texas. Oh, yeah. at Texas, he only gave up four over seven innings. Okay, that's impressive. Uh, at Tampa <laughs> Bay, five innings, five earned. Uh, and then at Seattle, six innings, four earned. So really, he's he's giving up runs away and just not really at home. Mm-hmm. He's home for Detroit, uh, seven innings, one earned. Uh, he's home for Oakland. Eight innings, oh, none for earned. Chicago, you mean? Oh, Chicago, excuse me. Yeah, he's he's playing. playing for Oakland. Uh, Kansas City, eight, no earned. 
I mean, yeah, yeah he's just not giving up runs at home currently. <clears throat> if you look at the teams he played on the road, Texas, Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Boston, and L.A. Those yeah. Are, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, not terribly surprised that those are the teams that would light you up. Yeah, no. I mean, Boston scoring runs. That's yeah, he, tough surprising. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Boston yeah. scores runs. I, oh, I just don't I hope they keep trying to do that because I'm laughing. Their win-loss record. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like, say Boston. Who would we take from Boston? Aside from a prospect. We'd take Fenway they... Park and sell it. We could take... <laughs> I'm kidding. We could take Dustin Pedroia. I don't think they give up Dustin Pedroia. Granted, we'll, we would be like, yeah, of course we'll give you Landon for Dustin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of course. I, I mean, I, I mean... You know, thinking about who you take from them, I mean, all I can think think of are really good players. They don't have any. I think their farm system is pretty pretty depleted at this point. Yeah, I mean, I mean we, especially after Adrian gets Australian. Yeah. Do uh, you want Lars Anderson? Yeah. I mean, we already have him. We have Chris Morero. And actually, we talked about um, the other team that I brought up as far as we we're talking about trading Espinosa and a piece uh, yeah. was actually Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, Austin for Jackson. Austin Jackson. I don't think they're trading him with this. I don't think so either. Yeah. I mean, that's what we would aim for as far as an Espinosa, uh, a pitcher, and pieces. I'm yeah. pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Lannon and Wong and Espinosa are, and maybe a pitcher out of the bullpen. Clifford. Clifford or Clifford's value is never pretty high. He that's has that true. Save and say, look, he has a closer's mentality. That's true. You know, you throw any mix of those guys and you, you're looking at possibly getting something back. I mean, there's some places that need a second or shortstop. Yeah. You know, a second baseman or a shortstop. I think everybody needs a bullpen. Yeah, there's no point in time in baseball where somebody doesn't need a guy out of the bullpen. I think the team that's right for the picking right now, if you do a Google search of Dan O'Dowd right On now. On your Google machine? Yes. If you do search of Dan O'Dowd, you'll see he's been given the dreaded vote of confidence. He is possibly on the way out in Colorado. So he might want to save his job by getting them to 75 wins this year. So he may be a guy where you could pick him clean. <laughs> I mean, you could trade you could trade Landon Espinosa and uh and um give us Tulo. And, and Clifford, <laughs> not for Tulo. Um, but maybe for it, it's hard to remember the right you know, way at times. You might not do a major league player. GL. Okay. Um, <laughs> you're going to get prospects and, and then make another. You know, prospect I would want from there. And the reason I say prospects from the Rockies is because they have one that I really like in Tim Wheeler. The name sounds familiar. I'll go ahead and Although I'm probably thinking of Dan Wheeler, so yeah. just continue. But, <laughs> uh, Tim Wheeler necessary. is a guy that can run down the ball in center field, and he's not the type of center fielder that just is a defensive guy or an on-base guy. 
He's a power-hitting guy that gets on base in center field. Now, I know... Which is very valuable. I know the Angels have talked to the Nationals about Borges. Right. Oh, I don't I want I, I don't like. I don't like the idea. I feel like we're getting another Roger Bernardino with this guy. He could be. He has the defensive abilities. Like Roger Bernardino. He has the potential. Like Roger Bernardino. Kind of a younger Roger Bernardino. Okay. But better defensively. So kind of like Roger Bernardino. So he's like Roger Bernardino <laughs> last year. Like, How many times can we say his name? <laughs> no, no, you're wrong. I'm sorry. That, that's wrong. He's like Roger Bernardino two years ago. Good call. Good call. Yeah. He may, he may not be that that good. But he's in Tulsa. And actually, oh, he only has eight games so far. Yeah. So, sorry, I'm looking up Tim Wheeler. You guys can't see what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, well, I think they can. They use the force. But you can They're bring my computer through the mic? Yes. Oh, uh, they can see, they can, they can, uh, read your mind. No, it's not reading your mind. It's, uh, it's, Seeing the future, sort of. Yeah, but they're going to be seeing this, listening to this after the fact. They're going to be trying to take it from. Uh, okay, let's get off yeah. of this. Uh, okay. Matt, you're confusing people. <laughs> you're being too entertaining. <laughs> Not possible. So he had 33 home runs in Tulsa last year. Um, Tulsa's a hitter's park, I thought. Um, let's see. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different guys with double-digit home runs. I think a lot of the parts the Rockies play in are hitters' parts. Yeah, I think so. I mean, they have a PCL club for AAA, right? Yes. Yeah. But, you know, I saw him in the Arizona Fall League. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a guy that can just flat-out hit. He, was, he, he, he faced Danny Fulton. And just, just absolutely crushed the ball in center field. And he can play good defense in center field. I mean, he is going to be – he's going to be a star in baseball. Hmm. When he gets to the major leagues, he's just – he's gonna, he's a guy that can play. He's 24, and he's, he's going to be close. He is. Yeah. He's got to be getting close here. But So you talk about major league ready prospects. He's on the cusp. Yeah. <clears throat> he's, he's definitely – a guy I would like to see, um, but I would take punch fan. <laughs> I don't think I'd turn that would down. You, would you? Yes. Would you? Um, but, you know, if you're talking about who you can trade with, it kind of gets difficult to think, who can you trade guys that are in the major now or should be in the majors or could be in the majors? And, you know, normally rebuilding clubs like the Twins want prospects for their players. And do the Nationals have? You also, you also have to think that major league, current major league players that are young are more valuable than prospects. I mean, Landon's 27? Yeah. Okay, so you have him. He's under team control, I believe, for an additional year after this year. Right. So he's got one more. Espinosa's under team control for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he's young, controllable. Uh, he doesn't hit arbitration until after next year. I think so, yes. So you're looking at two young, barely controllable guys. Landon may be a little more expensive than you want, but, I mean, you look at the Twins rotation. Landon comes in there as a three. Um, a one. 
I think he's better than Carl Pavano, who may be hurt. I, I don't. They have some young guys that are pitching well, and like Scott Diamond and some other people, but they just call up some kid. P.J. Walters. P.J. Walters. We can look up the Twins rotation here. We have... I can't see the Google machine. Um, we can just do it here. Um, fine, the Twins is so hard on here because they're always at the bottom of everything. So it should make it easy, right? Uh, no, because we saw... Because he knows uh, where to look. Uh, <laughs> look at their starting pitching. They have a lot of stars, so it is not pretty... Um, Liriano's in the pen. Yeah. Nick Blackburn, I think, is on the DL. No. I don't know who Liam Hendricks is. Anthony Swarzak. Yeah, I don't know who he is. Jim Marquis still on the team. No, he's DFA'd. (laughs) (laughs) So, it's Scott Diamond, PJ Walters. Diamond's pitch well. Uh, let's roll down the, uh, the ERAs, and then I'll, I'll go through some of the fifth, because, I mean, ERA isn't exactly an accurate... Uh, portrayal of the team here, but we're at 491-178-295-837-975-945-847. Those are all ERAs. Wow. Um, the FIP, not much better. To the guy. You know, it's almost kind of scary yeah, how it resembles the Nationals in 2007. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of scary how it resembles the Nationals in 2009. Yeah, yeah I've been up to. Except that they haven't yeah. drafted the best. for you. And he's like, exactly. Like, sloppy defense, bad pitching, no hitting. Less hope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember 2009 for the Nationals. We actually got a decent number of runs per game, I think. They did. But they we did. are just pitchers were just that bad. And the bullpen was really bad. The bullpen was awful. I never want to hear the name Mike Kinkley again. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's when Cliff was still kind of up and down. No, Cliff like, came real Cliff, up and down. Cliff came up, uh, I want to say June of that year. That was the and year that was when he stayed. To it, he stayed, yeah. but that was because he went from being a starter to a reliever, where he'd go and have two good innings, one two good outings, one bad outing, where he you know leave the the change up high, and you'd be you know he'd get whiplash from watching it go. <clears throat> yeah, the, Clifford I mean, has been a very good reliever. Yes, he has. I love that kid from the start. Yeah, you yeah, know the Twins are close to running out of pitchers here. They're going to need to make a trade or sign someone off of a couch somewhere to just to finish the year. Who was it, Jamie Burke, the catcher who came off the yeah, couch for us in Seattle? Yeah, 2009. I'm just reminiscing about that. You know who one of their best pitchers has been? Carlana? Drew Brutera. Oh, yeah. <laughs> their third string catcher. Yeah. <laughs> who had to throw an inning a couple nights ago. Yeah. Oh. Well. Scoreless. But, um, well, that's, that's good. Score. Yeah. <laughs> but you need to have a guy, 
Stonehenge. But you Boy, know, that's scary. <laughs> there is sort of art. In 2009 for the Nationals, they somehow ended up with Levon Hernandez at the end of the year. Yeah. And he was seen the guy that saved I remember, them. I remember when uh, when we got. Uh, but let's get back to talking about this year. Yeah. And you know we're looking at the Twins. Rotation makes us reminisce about 2009. That's, 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 how, that's how bad it is. So they need a guy that can pitch so that they can keep their prospects, their real prospects, in the minors. So we can learn. Yeah. yeah. If there's a guy that you can do that cheap with, I mean, Wong and Landon are both cheap. Landon, you just have to control for a little bit longer. And especially with the fact that he's still in arbitration, uh, you're looking at what a five or ten percent minimum increase. Right. Going from five to five five even is terrible. Yeah, and if, uh, if for that club, you know, people will say, "Well, Landon is not a real, you know, a real prize." Well, no, the real prize is the trade. BS knows. Yeah, he's he's got serious upside, uh, and just like with any baseball player, it's just whether they they put it all together or not. Um, now, while we're talking about trades. We were having a discussion earlier about the trade deadline and how yes. there's just this there's this weird conception, especially it seems that way from the fans' perspective, and I, I completely agree with it, that GMs are either overly stubborn or overly optimistic on what guys worth come the trade deadline instead of making the trade now. Say now we could use a left fielder. Even if it's a stopgap, we could use someone that's there every day putting up 250 with, you know, a 300 on base. Yes. Yeah. Uh, You know, the the GM that has that guy, I'd like to put a name to him. I'm to think of a name. But let's just just go back to Senator Denard's fan. Yeah, we'll go there. So, you know, they have Denard's fan. And Nationals have guys they could use. Um, and the Nationals have these, this, you know, six weeks or whatever is left until the trade deadline. And they're just sort of sitting here with these players. And if they got Span now, they could get those wins now. But they don't do it because they say, well, you know, we'll see what what other teams offer for them. And if we you know, think the price drops enough, where the price now is high. And the Twins are thinking, well, we'll wait until other teams bid, and we'll have a bidding war, and the price will go up. Well, what normally happens is people know now where the players are going to go. And there's this sort of feeling around baseball that fans to come to the Nationals. And other GMs think this, and don't really want to bid. They don't want to get caught up in this bidding war with and they say Nationals, we want this guy, and we're him. They're going to have to give way more than he's worth. And so, you know, the Twins are holding on to their piece. The Nationals are holding on to their pieces. Rizzo thinks the price is going to go down. The Twins GM thinks the price is going to go up. And then nothing happens. And then on the 31st, they make the deal. And you've lost all that time and all those games that have happened between now and then. You could have had a win two extra, and you don't get it. And then at the end of the season, you miss the playoffs by one game. One or two extra. 
<laughs> I mean, and it, it goes both ways. Um, not only do we miss out or the, the team getting the piece that they need uh, misses out on, you know, say six weeks of production. If we made the trade, or I guess now you're looking at eight weeks if yeah. we made the trade today. Um, and then also on the twin side, if they turned around and packaged Espinosa with somebody else to get a better piece that fit them or a more process yeah, yeah. to kind of fill out their organization, that's another eight weeks that they could have to make that happen. Whereas if they go and wait till the 31st of July to make this deal, you're then talking about, okay, we have 45 minutes to go and yeah. talk to see who we can flip this yeah, guy. I, I don't like how the whole trade deadline thing works sometimes. It's just... Is there a more anxious period? No, no, there's no. not. Now, currently, there's we haven't not. experienced playoff baseball that we're heartily invested in right. with the Nationals yet. Yeah. But that's the most stressful, probably, six hours of my entire year. The trade of, deadline? No, okay, what's, what's happening? What's going on here? And what I hate prospects are we giving up for Johnny last, last year, we were at a game. Yeah. And Drew Storen came out. And I'm really sorry, I was, I was kind of hoping that we had gotten spam. You wanted him bad. <laughs> I know you wanted spam, you drew a hater. <laughs> I think it's not that like, it's not Why? that people hate. <laughs> I'm just kidding, I know. No, I, know. I think it's no, the value I, of a reliever. I, I understand yeah. this. I'm just We've sort of saying. seen it this the, year. People the, people fret over Henry right now, but the Nationals have won most of those games when they've had right, the lead in line. Right. No, I mean I understand, you know, like the value of a of an everyday center fielder over a lead pitcher who might might pitch the ninth inning. And I mean, that's, I mean that's that that seems like a no brainer. Relievers, uh, Trevor Hoffman, Mariano Rivera, those don't come around often. Really? There's a reason why the list that we have of those names is very short. Eckersley. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, you can probably count them. Do you get to what ten? Yes. I mean, let's see if we can, off the top of our heads. You know, we got Hall, Rivera, Eckersley, Cuisenberry. Hmm. Um. I mean, Bill, um, what's that guy? Um, Smith, Lee Smith. Um, Billy Wagner is he? Billy Wagner. Um. There's another guy played in New York. Uh, Catfish, Catfish Hunter wasn't a not him. Um, Goose Gothage. Uh, Goose. Um, yeah, we're going back a ways here for these guys. We're, and we're on what, seven? Oh, we're on seven. Oh, um, what about Jonathan No, he's he got five counting him now. Um, oh, left hander, Mets, 80s, World Series. Those are all words. Uh, yes. It's not Jesse Orasco, the guy that Jesse Orasco was the setup guy for. He should be on the list. I don't know his name, but he's still on the list. Somebody's yelling at their computer right now. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> Might be you in six hours to listen to this again. Uh, I'm not going to put. Now, Tug McGraw doesn't belong on the list. You know? Tug McGraw. He only had a couple good seasons. Um, his son had a couple good songs. Thanks. <laughs> uh, uh, no, that wasn't someone texting me the name of it. Yeah, I was hoping that's what it was. <laughs> I really. Uh, I feel like you could use the 
Google machine figure this out. We could. Probably. We could look up the 86 Mets and have it in a second. Um, there was, you know, there's a couple other guys, but you know, how far down the list do you put Brad Lidge? Um, pretty far. Not that, that far. What top 20? Yeah, I don't. Know. I mean, you got to think. Specialized closers have been around since the late 70s. Yeah. And how many specialized closers, not just relief pitchers, but closers, have been, you know, which is what, eight years now? Nine years? Lidge on the list, you have to put Matt Williams on Not Matt Williams. Uh, he's on MLB Network. Wild thing. That guy from the Phillies, I know who you're yeah. talking about. The guy who jerks around a lot when he talks. Yeah. That drives me insane. He's, he's a great strong. guy. He's a great guy. He moves so much. When he talks, it's like he's bobbling his head. Like he's just moving around. I have no idea what he's going to do next. And then he stops talking. Yeah. <laughs> completely still. I'm like, wow. Every time I watch this guy Yeah, talk, let's look up the 86 Mets. You can see who the hell I'm talking about. Um, but, you know, there's a lot, not a lot of closers that have had long careers. Yeah, I mean... Mariano Rivera is a very uh, interesting case. He's the best of... I mean, I'm pretty sure you could look up saves leaders and sort of... That's exactly what I'm doing right now. But, uh... Saves leaders. But I want to know that damn Mets pitcher's name. Okay, first off, we have the 300 save club. Oh, God. Okay. And then uh, career leaders and records for saves. Mariano Rivera, Hoffman... Smith, Smith, Frank. I'm Franco. That's the guy. Uh, <laughs> Wagner, uh, Eckersley, Jeff, Jeff Reardon, Rick Percival, uh, Randy Myers, Raleigh Fingers, <laughs> Francisco Cordero, number 12, John Wetteland. These are not a lot of guys I would say are. Even those guys in the top 10, I wouldn't say all of them are reliable. Let's see. Brad Lidge, 37. 37. Are these seasons? No, years and age. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, 11 seasons for him. Um, I mean, granted, there are quite a few in front of him. Well, and Goose Gossage. Uh, Goose Gossage is 19. If you, it's neat to look at, though. Yeah, like, if you go up, like, there's a there's a huge no, gap yes, between the, the second. There's 601 for Trevor Hoffman. Then Lee Smith has 478. Oh yeah. So so six oh one for the second place and four seventy eight for the third place. Well when was a save invented? I'm not even sure Lee Smith pitched his entire career when saves were actually a stat. Well, I mean it's just that's that's kinda of what I'm saying though, you know, it's like there's it hasn't been around long in in the scheme of baseball anyway. But I think more important than that would be, you know, save percentage and just how good of pitchers Agreed. they are. Agreed. And how many years they were able to be consistent. Okay, here we go. Like uh we have Hoyt Willem. Yeah. Uh, retired in 1972 and technically only recorded 31 saves because the save was invented in 69. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually had 227. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you never there. Yeah. Um, but we need to kind of get this back on track a little bit. Um, coming up, uh, we actually have a day off next week. We talked about that yeah. uh, last time. So we recorded on a day off again. Uh, we got the Braves and the Marlins. Very important series against the Braves. Very, yeah, very big. Uh, let's see who we have. I know who's probable. Tim I Look at you. Tim I have it. I, it's it's Detweiler versus Hudson. Then it's going to be Beachy. No. No, he's Saturday or Sunday. It's it's Strasburg versus Minor. Strasburg Minor. Geo Beachy. Geo Beachy. I looked at this too. Now, 
the game the Nationals have to win, the must-win game, is Saturday. Strasburg. No, Strasburg. A minor, yes. Sorry, my brain sucks. Strasburg with his excellent ERA. Too much brain. Against Mike Minor with his six-point something ERA. See, that's got reverse lock written all over it. No, yeah, yeah. That's got reverse lock written all over it. It does. It has. That's a you know what? I want to go ahead and I want to go ahead and jinx the reverse lock, right? Now. You can't jinx the reverse lock. Shut up! I'm trying to do it. Okay. Well, here we go. Um, MLB right here. Uh, the long ball has been Miner's nemesis. Uh, allowed multiple home runs in four of his past five starts, including giving up four solo shots in Cincinnati last time out, which actually dropped his ERA. While we're talking about this, I was looking at stats earlier. I'm sure this surprises everybody. Um, the Nationals this year have allowed 28 home runs in a relatively fair ballpark, being our home ballpark. That, this is the reason I'm bringing it up. I know not all of those home runs came in Nationals Park, but we play in a pretty fair ballpark in Nationals Park. The Braves, who play in a fairly well-known pitcher's park, have given up 45 home runs this year. Yeah, but if you look at the Braves pitching staff, Compared to the Nationals pitching staff, the Braves are a more balanced team. They are, but they have offense as well as pitching. That's that's very right. So as a team, the Nationals um, are hitting 243, 314, 391. And I looked this up before the Braves started playing their game today. They're as a team, the Braves are hitting as a team 260, 326, 406. Whereas the Nationals pitching, you know, we got a 290 ERA. Uh, 120 walks, that's pretty nice. Uh, 219 average against and a 1.12 whip. Now, here's something. I but the Braves, Thanks, they man. have a 396 ERA. <laughs> they have a 257 average against and a 134 whip. Now, here's something I've been now, very yeah. interested in looking at. Because in years past, the Braves struggle against left-handed pitching. Really? Yes. Their best hitters... Brian McCann. Brian McCann actually hits lefties pretty well, mm. but Jason Hayward has bad splits against lefties. They normally start Matt Diaz in the in the place of, of Prado when they face a lefty. Um, so they sort of they struggle against lefties in the past, but they do have that was that's the main reason Dan Ugla was brought in, the powerful right-handed bat to face lefties, uh, and they always struggle against John Lennon. John Lennon was like a, a, to, the Braves were the opposite of the Phillies for John Lanning. He owned the Braves. Yeah. Now, Detweiler is a young left-handed pitcher that the Braves haven't seen very much. They, don't, they struggle against those types of pitchers. But Hudson, I don't know if anyone, any pitcher on the planet Earth owns, owns the national more than Tim Hudson. I, I hate watching Hudson. Hudson's a great pitcher. I went to Turner Field last year, and Hudson started – and that was the first time I think I've ever tried watching a pitch. Yeah, well, throw, he's a great pitcher. He's a very good pitcher. He is. He just, but he dominates the Nationals. Now yeah. that could be a low-scoring game, but I have to give the edge in that one to the Braves. Yeah, no, I agree. I just think the Braves I, have an edge. I I agree 100 on that. I think if there's a if if the Nationals take two out of three games, one of those games is not against Tim Hudson. It may be. It may. They may win it. I've been wrong before. Let's, but, let's, but this is why. You know, I mean, benefit of the doubt, there's a, this is why we play nine innings. This is why we play the games. Who knows? All right. But, the the best hitter on the Nationals against uh, Tim Hudson. Okay. 
Anthony Espinoza. Why is that? 16 plate appearances, 286, 375, 357. All right, why don't you quickly look at how what's Braves are hitting, hitting against, just out of curiosity. I can only answer one question at a time. I only heard the first half of his in the last half of yours. Uh, he's asking Ryan Zimmerman. Ryan Zimmerman in 48 plate appearances. Ooh. Want to guess what his OPS is? Ryan Zimmerman? Yeah. yeah. He was like three, I don't know. I OPS. It's 404. 404. Uh, yes. It's 164, 208, 196. Not good. Yeah. Look up how Braves hit against left-handed pitching this year. You mm-hmm. know how to do that? Probably not. <laughs> I mean, okay. I will baseball say. Reference work the baseball reference machine, Dave. Make it, make it your your plaything as you tend to do. <laughs> yes, I figure. I mean, so many people ask me questions that that can be answered baseball reference. That I feel that I should start charging a twenty five dollar an hour fee. Twenty four ninety five makes you sound more. Twenty four ninety five. Okay. Twenty four ninety. I have an hour for my baseball reference. If you start getting to do this, can I go get some on-the-job training? Sure. Seriously. <laughs> yes. Only if you're paying. Braves versus a left-handed starter are hitting 244, 312, 378. As a team? As a team. Okay. Yes. Against righties. Against right-handed starters are hitting 335, 422. Uh, wait, no, it's... 
uh, Miami the next day. Yeah. So I'm not looking forward. To uh, they are. Uh, Miami's hot. Right yeah. They they have lost what all of five games in the month of May. Uh, we can take a look real quick. They need to yeah. settle down a little bit. They have been scorching hot, and you know I don't like how the pitching lines up against them. I mean, I don't know who the starters are. Zimmerman, Jackson, Detweiler for us. The Nationals are 2-7 in games. Edwin Jackson started. Feels like it should be better. He's pitched better than that. No, he's, he's been pitching pretty well. I mean, the six. They lost six games. You give them too much credit, <laughs> sir. Yes. Uh, yeah, Jackson's probably, you said he's 7-1. and 2-7. and seven. Uh, I don't know how I screwed up those numbers. Yeah, that's two and seven. A dyslexic, B. That's not what Jackson is. That's yeah, what the Nationals. Know, as sadly, a team Cole on. Hamels was one of the first pitchers to seven wins last night when he beat us. Yeah. Well, if you look at it, at how Jackson's pitched, he has been the victim of the two walk-off home runs given up by Hamels. That's Rogers. true. So, I mean, really, he's probably uh, the team should be. Right under four five, five you think? Well, something like that. And also, if you look at the Orioles game, he gave up one run in eight innings. Really, you should and he win took that a game. No decision, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. should win that game. That's that's that was three. Yeah, yeah. That's three. That should be added to two. So you know, you figure he should be five and four, but he's not. And maybe it balances yeah. out later in the season. Let's hope it does. Maybe he gives up four runs one game in five innings, and the Nationals score seven. You know, and he gets a win. You know, wins are not a good. Or not the stat you judge a picture by, but sort of you can look at how team plays when that guy starts, and you can say, well, the team the team responds to how the pitching yeah. or the team doesn't. The no, national... I, agree, I agree with that because if your starting pitcher is keeping you in the game, your team your team's usually going to try and play better. If your starting pitcher gives up five runs in the first inning before you have a chance to bat, you're going to be sitting there. It's the fourth inning, wondering is it the ninth inning yet? You know, it's kind of like when you're having a rough. We're thinking it's five o'clock yet. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's the same thing, you know. It, I mean, they're playing baseball, and I know they're having fun, but it's a, I mean, it's a job for these guys, and they have bad days and they have good days like anybody else. So, so who else do we get? Who's starting tonight for them? Tonight, because uh, that'll be the Tuesday starter, right? Well, let's just. I think everyone's listed here. Oh, Sanchez is starting tonight. So it, it would go uh, Zambrano, Sanchez, Johnson. So, well, Zambrano's pitching quite well at 2.85 ERA right now. All we got to do is piss him off. Yeah. All uh, we got to do is piss him off. Anibal Sanchez, well, we know history against the Nationals. Yeah, he's going to have enough uh, hitters well against him. Yeah, and then <laughs> Josh, Johnson, Josh Johnson is starting. He's starting, to, he's starting to become Josh Johnson. Yes. A little bit. Slowly, little by little. Go punch him in the shoulder. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> low, low. So that's that pitching matchup. You sort of get the guy who's playing the best for them right now in Zambrano. You get Sanchez, who's a guy that's always done well against the Nationals. And you get Josh Johnson, their ace, who's starting to be back to and Josh Johnson. And then you also got to remember that they the Marlins them. own us. Yeah, and they're <laughs> facing our bottom three. Yeah. But... Jordan Zimmerman has done well against the Marlins in his career. He has. This is true. Yeah, but uh, saying but they're John facing Carlos our bottom well three now <laughs> yeah. isn't like saying they were facing our bottom 
three, four years before. And it, it is. But even still, I, I, I just watching Giancarlo to baseballs. I mean, it, 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 uh-oh, uh-oh. Man crush. Man crush he is. He is, he is the scariest hitter in baseball right now. He is what Manny Ramirez was 10 years ago. You didn't buy him some flowers? Yes, I have. He's like a bullfighter. When he's at home, and I throw the flowers on the field as he mounts there. Yeah, but I mean, we can say we're scared about this. And granted, the Marlins are playing much hotter than they were when we faced them in April. Right. We took two straight from them in April. We did. Those are the only two games we played against them. We yeah. did. But I, who, then we had the Rangers in those games. I believe one of them. Sanchez was one of them. Was yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Because we had that discussion about how poorly we played against them. Wow. It's been um, a while. Let's like go back and look. Let me pull up the the box scores from those two. Was the other one Zambrano? I feel like he played Zambrano on the other game. I think it was both. Um, I, was, I don't know if I, I think it was that one. Means. God, it seems like it was so long ago. Uh, well, one was the one oh, yes, that Detweiler yes. uh, threw Zambrano against Zambrano. Oh. Two nothing. That was Ankiel hit two Hosella home runs there, eh? Two solo home runs? Has he done that this year? I think no, he only hit one. Yeah. Yeah, well. But he, uh, I think he scored both runs. Yeah. One was a home run, though. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other was a uh, a sack fly, a walk-off sack fly. In the yeah. Ian Desmond, yes, I remember that one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was there for that one. Yeah. It was a walk-off sack fly. Yeah. Desmond had a walk-off sack fly. How do I not remember this? Ramos coming into the score. Yeah. Oh, Ramos. Yeah, it's just been so long ago. Um, but it, that wow. was the, the Nationals Usually won. Usually I remember stuff like Nationals this. Nationals won 2 getting to old. Nationals won 2 old, to nothing, 3 to 2. Yeah. The Marlins offense since then has come around. Yeah. Well, also, also Mike said John Carlos wasn't in those two games we played against Miami. That's still weird to say. I think he Miami. was he was in one of them. Was he? Yeah, well, he wasn't just, in the full game. Remember, he had one home run in April. He said ten home runs in May. <sighs> Let's just Jean Giancarlo. 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 Yes, he's played. Come on, very. Come on, TJ, get in the party. Very. Giancarlo. That's a face of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, he has played very well. He's he's the driving force behind that offense. And, and Jose Reyes, if you look at his on-base percentage, the power is still not there. But he was under 300 on-base percentage at that time that they played him last time. He is now at about 344 to 350. I mean, he, he's come around. They've got a lot of guys that have come around. The guys are getting on-base, getting knocked in. That offense is a scary thing. And I would feel much more comfortable in the series if it lined up Strasburg, Geo, Zimmerman. Other than Zimmerman, Jackson, Detweiler. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, maybe it's the past that the Marlins have just destroyed the Nationals, and it just whenever I see the word Marlin or a fish with a fin on it, I just I just get scared of it and I want to run away. Because I know he's gonna hit. I don't know about all that. You're, you're a bigger man than a fish. <laughs> you are a bigger man than well, a fish. I'm, I'm sure if we went fishing in Florida right now, and we had a baseball on the boat, and we hooked the marlin and threw the baseball, and we take that little sweet thing in hand and just whack that thing out. 
citizens of Natstown trip should be go marlin fishing. Wow. Oh, man. No, no, is it animal cruelty to throw a baseball at a marlin? Probably on video. Uh, <laughs> but you already have a hook in his mouth, drag it into a boat so you could fillet it and eat it. Yeah, but now but, you're just being a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> Before, when you were killing it and taking it out of its natural habitat, that was okay. But when you're throwing a baseball at it, that's over the line. Wow. Yeah, well, you know that it, Where'd that, you grow up? That, that fish would hit that ball out of the park. I don't really have the same confidence in the fish that you do. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> All right, we have officially gone off the reservation here. Uh, we got about <laughs> 10 minutes left. Matt, hit me with your final thoughts. The UFO is flying over us right now. Interesting final thoughts there, Matt. Um, well, I don't know. What are my final thoughts? Uh, well, we should write these things down. We really should. I feel like they would. But then they wouldn't be final thoughts. No, no, but we could like have an idea. We could have an idea. Of what I want to make. Writing, writing things down as we go along. I think that is. Uh, yeah, you look at my stats. Come on. On the first pitch? It's no. not the first pitch of the game. It's first no, pitch first pitch. Game. First pitch. He's not drawing enough walks. So he's not getting hit enough? Precisely. Okay. That, that's his fault. Yes. It's yeah. all his fault. But that's, that's a really antiquated way of thinking. That, <laughs> no, the, the first pitch thing. Yeah. yeah. Swinging on the first pitch of, you know, oh, that's signs he's a poor hitter. I think that's just a sign he sees a pitch that he likes. If it's and your pitch... Well, well, you know what's interesting though is uh, he he gets he sees the first pitch fastball he swings at it. Recently, he's been seeing a first pitch off speed, hasn't been swinging at it. Well, interesting. It's an ambush, I say. It's an ambush. Now here's yeah. here's what you have to to look at with him. I used to think about an bat is normally they say they say the pe- the powers that be say that you that you get one pitch to hit per at-bat. Now, if the guy throws you a fastball right down the middle on the first pitch, and that's the one pitch you're going to see for that at-bat, and you don't swing, you missed it. You missed your opportunity. It's gone. It's never coming back. I'm just being video games all the time. But if you, angry. if you swing and crush that pitch, you know, hit a double off the wall or a home run, well, guess what? I hit If that's your style of hitting, which obviously... That that suits Desmond and it's it's working well. Um, I don't have have an issue with it. I mean, granted, I don't want him going up there, swinging at every you know, just hacking at every first pitch. He needs to. He's showing restraint. I mean, he sees it's a it's off speed and holds back and whatnot. But when it comes to Desmond, there's no difference between flying out on the first pitch and flying out on the third pitch or looking. You know, at an off strike three. Which one of you two was it? Were we talking? Who was it that said that there was a, a fan at the park who said that 
up to TJ. That's me. Swung at the first pitch and he popped it up. And then the guy said, that's terrible. Yeah, he basically said, you know, oh, the manager needs to rip him for swinging at the first pitch, yada, yada, yada. And then two innings later, Desmond comes up, swings at the first pitch again, and rips a double. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's how he – I mean, you know, you like guys that see multiple pitches for plate appearance. But like I was saying, you know, you have guys with different approaches, and pitchers have to approach them differently. So you have Desmond – who, if the guy throws a fastball, he's going to swing, he's going to hit it. So maybe a pitcher, knowing that, throws a breaking ball to him out of the zone. All of a sudden, Desmond doesn't swing. He's ahead in the count. He gets a 2-0. He throws that, that fastball. Desmond swings and hits it. Now, let's say it's later in the year. It's August. You have Worth hitting second because one again. Worth comes up. He's going to see a lot of pitches. He's not going to. He's going to be patient. He's going to wait until he has two strikes, start fouling off everything in the world, and build up the pitch count. And that's a different approach that the pitcher has to take. They have Zimmerman coming up. And, and Zimmerman, you know, he, he, his bat covers a lot of area. He can hit almost anything. When his shoulder is not taking him. Right. But, you know, and so it's a, di- a different approach that the pitcher has to take. Then you have Morris. Then you got LaRoche. I mean, you got a lot of guys that are different coming up now. And pitchers are just going to have to weed their way through the lineup. Now, you can make that lineup better. I mean, I still had Desmond leading off. And maybe, yeah. that maybe, you know, you make the lineup better by having the on-base guys at the top of the lineup in Span and Lombardozzi. And those guys have different approaches, too. So, you know, you really start to make the pitcher have to work, work in a different way think his way through the lineup, and maybe by the time he gets to, to Desmond batting seventh, he's like, my God, I'm so glad I'm through that. I'm just going to throw this fastball down the middle. Boom. That is a yeah. thought. <laughs> For the final one, did you, uh, did you come with any over there? Pretty good. Uh, <laughs> well, I think, uh, I mean, I don't know if I can state any more than the obvious. I don't think... Uh, Desmond should change his approach at all. I like Desmond. I've always been a fan. Uh LaRoche is still, you know, sticking in there even though he had a little bit of a slump through that Orioles series. Uh, he's not a three twenty hitter. He's, he's could, not. He's, gonna he's, he's not gonna hit three forty for the season. Ben Zimmerman, uh, hoping he wakes up a little bit and he's shown flashes of it, but if he's aching and he's still showing the flashes of his power and what he can do. I'm I don't think he had that. a shoulder shoulder problem the other day. I think he had um, a, um, uh, you know, a couple minutes before the game. They're about to go on the field. He looked at Davey. He said, "I got, I got to go." Davey said, well, "You got to go. You got to go on the field." That's right. And he goes, "He says, no, no. I, I, I got to go back in the clubhouse. I got to, I got to go." And Davey says, "Oh, Tracy, get in there." You, you think he just didn't want to admit, you know? And this was my original theory before Davey said. Brian has been out the before last couple Davey days. said anything at the end of the game yesterday. The first thought that crossed my mind was, "Oh God, I hope he just has the runs." Yeah, I mean, that was the first, that was the first thing that crossed my mind. Yeah, Brian McCann has been out the last couple of days with, with uh, with flu-like symptoms. I don't think that they wanted to be that obvious and call it flu-like symptoms or dehydration. So they just said. Yeah, his shoulder hurts. And then when they asked him, he said, hey, it's a part of the shoulder. It's like, you're not no, more yeah, concerned about that? Because I didn't ask him that. Then, uh, I think the next day before the next game, 
before yesterday's game. He said, oh, there was a different part of the shoulder, though. You know, I'm fine. Yeah. I mean, that's what made me raise my eyebrow a little bit. Yeah, you want to be more concerned it's a different part of the shoulder? I mean, I think it wasn't even a shoulder at all. I think he just... Final thought When being, you got to go, you got to go. I'm really looking forward to this series against the Braves. Yeah, it uh, it will definitely be a good one. Um, final thoughts for me here is... Uh, <laughs> we are uh, getting some some good stuff together here at Houston and some bad sounds. So uh, just just be on the lookout for some uh, some new news. Would you two stop it? <laughs> no. <laughs> Dealing with children. <laughs> That's why you're the producer. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh want to thank Creative House for the assistance with our logo. You can follow them at Creative House SA. Thanks to the Isotopes for our intro and our outro. You can follow them at the Isotopes. <laughs> I'm not plugging either of you. <laughs> you can ah, follow right, I'll do it myself. Nats of Nattown and Nat Nats fans. No, no, no. No, no, no. No, no, no. no, no. You got Dave May and Matthew 24th. here. By the way. Until next week. Don't listen to the hater. She's a hater. <laughs> <laughs>